Today, we spend a few more moments talking about being born again. In our churches, we love to use big words. We obfuscate our pedagogy through superfluous grandiloquence, manifesting hubris instead of demureness. See what I mean? Inconceivable. While I might have a speech impediment, I certainly do not want to have a preach impediment. These get in the way of God's message reaching our hearts and minds. Let's dig through those big words and learn something incredible. Thank you for listening to Preach Impediments, made possible by Eden Hollow. Check out what's being written and made available by going to EdenHollow.com. If you stayed tuned, at the end of the episode, we have a special offering for you that you'll want to hear about, so make sure you listen to the end of today's episode. Let's jump right in. A few days ago, I got to sit down with Nolan Baker, and we talked about the idea of being born again. As is typical with these interviews, I honestly have no idea which direction they're going to go. Sometimes I'm pleasantly surprised. Sometimes it goes exactly the direction I would expect it to. Nolan's interview was one of those that I just didn't really know what to expect. Nolan is unpredictable at best, often hilarious, uh, but often extremely thoughtful. And you find things going on between his ears that, that you really don't know until you sit down and have a great and serious conversation with him. And his thoughts on being born again have stuck with me for the last couple of days. We primarily talked about John chapter 3, where Jesus tells Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nolan pointed out to us that this idea of being born again, or this idea of being recreated, really is an idea that is different than the way we often think. We think of it merely in terms of salvation, but we need to be thinking of it in terms of transformation, how it changes us, how it starts us over. And that, of course, is re-emphasized by Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This idea of being recreated or made something entirely new. We pointed out Romans chapter 6, verse 4, which talks about being raised from the waters of baptism into the newness of life. In Titus chapter 3, verse 5, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. This concept of recreating or being regenerated are being renewed, or as the topic is for our discussion, being born again, is a concept that you find all through the New Testament. And it is a concept that I don't know that we give enough attention to when we talk about a salvation. You know, oftentimes, whenever there is an invitation given or an altar call given at a particular congregation, what you have expressed during that altar call is a focus on salvation and a focus on heaven. 
just generally speaking, the ones I've heard through the years, those are the two directions that those altar calls go. Hey, you want to experience salvation from the bad thing? Come, respond, turn to Jesus. Or it might be, hey, if you want to go to heaven, come, respond, come to Jesus. In these altar calls, there seems to be almost a a centering in on just one or two aspects that I don't know really hits the focus of what Jesus is teaching, especially in John chapter 3. Jesus doesn't tell Nicodemus, come be washed and have your sins taken away from you or your guilt removed. And he does not invite Nicodemus to heaven. What he invites Nicodemus to is transformation. If you will come, we can make you something different, something that you've never been before. You can be born again, not as a man, but as a being that is created for the purposes of God. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 3, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And here, as in the case in pretty much all of Matthew, kingdom of heaven is a reference to the church. If you want to become part of the church, then you have to be born again. And the emphasis there is on transformation, being changed, being converted is a word we use in our modern day talks about religious things. You know, our job is not to baptize a bunch of people. Our job is not to find a way that we can get people into the doors of a church building, get them to respond to the altar call, and then we start focusing on the next person. No, our job is to find ways to connect people to Jesus and change them from who they were to who Jesus wants them to be. You see, when we come to God, we are reborn. We are made new. We are green and fresh. We are starting over. We are getting a new lease on life. We are having our slate wiped clean, and we are able to start absolutely brand new. And that requires some changes to take place. I've often used the illustration of if I, if I have a car and my car's engine been having trouble and I decide, well, I'm going to take this into the shop, have a mechanic look at it. And the mechanic calls me up a couple of days later and says, Adam, I'm so sorry. I got bad news for you. Your engine is shot. We are going to have to replace the entire engine it is the only way this car is going to continue to function for you well. You're going to have to get everything inside torn out and replaced with something new. Well, let's say I go, okay, yeah, well, bad news, of course, it's expensive, but go ahead and do it. And uh, the mechanic tells me, okay, I'll have it back to you in two weeks. If two weeks later I go to that shop and I pick up my car and I stick my key in and I turn the engine over and I start driving home and I start hearing the same clunking or the wheel starts turning the way it's not, you know, pulling one direction the way it's not supposed to, or I hear a whine happening in the engine that's not supposed to be there, or it's having pretty much all the same problems that it had. It's overheating or the air conditioner is not working or, you know, whatever the problem was that caused me to want to take the car to the mechanic in the first place, if it still has that problem, do you know what my assumption is going to be? 
I'm going to assume that mechanic lied to me and didn't actually replace the engine. If, if the car has the same bad habits that it had when I took it in for repair, when I pick it up from being repaired, well then I will assume that this car has not actually been made new. That this car, it's, it's, it's pretty much the same as it was. And I wonder sometimes if that's not a good illustration of how we are. You know, here we, we decide that we are lost and hopeless without Jesus. And that we need God to make us new, to make us fresh, to make us green. To, we need God to rebirth us as something better. But we come away from that rebirth being the exact same person we were. How in the world can we argue that we've truly been born again. There's a passage of scripture over in Ephesians chapter 4, where Paul says this. This is starting in verse 20. He says, But that is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, that old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of truth. Now I want you to notice there is a three-step progression in what Paul says here. Three steps. We normally only think of it in two steps. We think, okay, you are crucified with Christ and you are raised to walk in newness of life based on Romans chapter 6. But here Paul uses three steps to describe our process. He says first, Take off your former way of life. And he defines that. That's the old self. That's the one that was committed to sin. That's the one who was deceived by the temptations of the world. It is the one who was corrupted by the things that the devil has put in their path. That is what you do away with. You, you do away with that. And let's be honest, God does away with that by washing us and, and taking those things away. The second step here was to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Do you see that? that? That's renewal. That's recreation. That is being changed from what you were to what you can be because of, what the, because of the work that God is doing in you. That's the part that we love to talk about. That's the part that is often included in our altar calls or invitations. That's the one that we hear so often. Hey, you need to come to Jesus. You need to let Jesus heal you and make you whole and make you right again. But there's a third step here that says, put on the new self. The one that looks like God. The one that is focused on righteousness and the purity of the truth. It's that putting on the new self, that changing, that being something different than you were that is so important. That's the idea of being born again. That's what we're invited to whenever God gives us the, the possibility of being something new. When we are born again, we are helpless and dependent. Our only source of nourishment is God. You know, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2-3 through three says, Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. I recently had my uh, had a new baby born into the family. Not my family. Don't worry, we're done. We've got our five and we're happy with that. 
but my nephew just had a baby for the first time. Uh, and, and, and it's just so exciting to see newborn babies being cradled by their mother and by their fathers and just the joy and excitement and exhaustion that goes along with having a newborn baby. One of the most tender and precious things you'll see is that baby long for his mother and long for his mother's milk. And that newborn infants who just, uh, they have an insatiable desire for that. And when they get it, oh, they're just so relaxed and excited and happy and joyful because they've had not only the, the milk they need for their tummy, but the snuggles they need for their heart. It's just a, a beautiful picture of tenderness and longing. And that's the picture we're given about how we should long for not only the word of God, but the relationship with God that comes from receiving that word. But the part that we don't often talk about and these altar calls or invitations is what comes next. We are not only to desire the pure spiritual milk, but we are to mature beyond milk to solid food. Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 11, says, About this we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have had their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Do you see that? It says, you know, you, you used to survive on milk and that was okay, but the time has progressed to the point to where you should be able to desire more. You should be able to, uh, to eat something deeper and bigger and more substantial than the drinking of milk. First Corinthians chapter three, verse two, Paul says, I fed you with milk, not solid food for you are not ready for it. And even now you are not ready. The statement there is, is not a compliment. Paul is rebuking these Christians in Corinth because they are so immature. They are so infantile in the way that they are living their faith that Paul is saying that they're, they're not grown the way they should. In the same book, chapter 14, verse 20, Paul says, Brothers, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking... Be mature. Part of what we need to be offering to people, when we are asking them to come and be born again, or asking them to come and respond to the call of Jesus, is not merely, hey, if you'll come, you can avoid bad, and you can achieve good, the good of heaven. But all the years that will go between their baptism and their death, and that that is an opportunity for them to mature and grow and be continually turned toward Jesus over and over again. To be developing as children in the presence of God. We are inviting people not merely to have their sins washed away, but to learn to avoid sin and learn to put away sin and the temptation of the world to grow in regards to that. 
And we are inviting people not only to enjoy the joy of heaven that is to come, but to enjoy the presence of God that can be experienced even now. That's the invitation. The born-again call is not just to experience one thing one time, but it is to experience God's things for the rest of time. That's what Jesus was calling Nicodemus to. And I love that Nolan reminded us of that. One thing that probably should be added here before we finish up is the fact that we need to also give other people room to grow. Often through scripture, there is an emphasis on treating others right. For instance, Paul's words in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in the second half of verse 13, Be at peace among yourselves. And we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Just recently in uh, Bible classes that I teach at a congregation here in Birmingham, we've been studying the book of Romans, and we just got through going through Romans chapter 14, which talks about matters of opinion or disputed matters and how they were to treat one another and the priority that they were to place on their relationship. Chapter 15, verse 1 and 2 says, Now we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the weaknesses of those without strength and not to please ourselves. Each one of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. That's our job, is to build one another up. Now let's relate this back to being born again. I find and have found through the years that we sometimes have too little patience with new Christians. When you have somebody who has been born again, or they've had their life changed in, in the most extreme ways possible, they are pulling themselves away from the world and committing themselves to following God. And there's a lot of changes that go along with that. We need to be patient with them. We need to help them. Yes, if they're being idle, we need to give them warnings. Uh, but if they're discouraged, we need to comfort them. If they're just weak, then we need to help them. Sometimes that comes in the form of teaching them patiently. Sometimes that comes in the form of just bearing with them and being patient and realizing that they're growing too. They're just not as mature as we are. I mentioned earlier I have five children, and I've mentioned that several times on this podcast. Uh, the range, age range goes from 16 down to 4. And I am always astonished at just how good our older children are at being patient with the youngest. There is an 11-year gap between our oldest and our youngest, and he is incredibly patient with his younger sister. They just bend over backwards for her. Because they understand she can't do the things they do. She can't be held responsible for the things they are responsible for. And so they oftentimes will pitch in and help where she needs help. We need to do the same things with young Christians. we got to remember, we're all being born again. And then there is a growth process that comes from the infancy age of belonging to God to the age of maturity in belonging to God. And we need to be patient with people. We need to help them and encourage them along the way. And especially, every step of the way, be patient with everyone. 
I hope this podcast has been helpful to you. This episode has been uh, maybe challenging for you in some way that allows you to think about yourself. Think about the way that you respond to others. Think about the way you are growing yourself. When we respond to the call of Jesus, we are making a commitment. We are not just receiving the benefit of what God can do for us, but we are committing to doing good things for God. And I hope when we think about being born again, that you're willing to do those good things. If you've enjoyed this podcast, share it with others. If it's challenged you, share it with others. The more people who hear this podcast, the more we'll be able to get this word out to people and be able to challenge them with good things. Also, go to EdenHollow.com or PreachImpediments.com and sign up for the newsletter. Because I'd love to be able to send you the interactive supplement that goes along with this podcast. And you can use that to even dig deeper into these topics. And we'd, of course, encourage you to reach out to us. You can find our contact information both on EdenHollow.com or PreachImpediments.com. Let us know how we can serve you. Let us know topics you want to hear in the future. Let us know if we can do something that will make this podcast even better. Until next time. At Eden Hollow, we want to give you a greater chance to dig deeper into these words discussed each week on the podcast. We have created a downloadable, printable guide for you to use as you listen to each topic discussed on Preach Impediments. It is a set of guided worksheets you can use as you listen each week. These can be used as a Bible study curriculum, or we are even using them as a Bible study curriculum for our kids. When you go to PreachImpediments.com, just click on the subscribe to our newsletter button at the top right of the page, and we will attach it in our next newsletter coming out soon. We hope this will help you learn even more from God through His Word. Thanks again for listening.